Welcome to Clinical Lab Chat, part of the MedCore Podcast Network. I'm Chris Wolski, Director of Business Intelligence for CLP, and today I'm joined by CLP's Assistant Director of Business Intelligence, Andy Lundin. Uh, Andy and I recently attended uh, COLA's first laboratory enrichment uh, forum, and we wanted to share some of our uh, experiences and those big aha moments that we had during the show. Thank so, you. Andy, welcome. Uh, I, it's your first experience yep. on the mm-hmm. uh, on the podcast, and I expect yes, it'll be so. the first of many. So uh, I hope, uh, I think we were just talking about, uh, because of the time change, <laughs> it's taken us a few days to kind of recover from from the trip, uh, but yeah. uh, I think we're I think we're doing okay. So, um, so what's your you know this is the first uh, the first uh, uh, first uh, laboratory forum for uh, cola. Uh, we've been to a lot of different kinds of trade shows. I've been to medical ones. We've been to other industries as well. So, what were some of your uh, general? Impressions? I was great. I mean, it, it was uh, obviously I'm still kind of uh, getting a good feel for the industry, but I think it was this was just a a good crash course just to kind of put myself into everything. And I feel like I, you know, I already, you know, was educating myself quite a bit, um, you know, leading up to everything uh, prior to the conference. But I think it was just, you know, a, you know, great information, uh, you know, tons to digest. You know, um, there's, I, I just love that it was like various like levels of, of, uh, you know, proficiency. Um, so, you know, there was a lot for me to gather uh, and I'm sure for professionals too. I mean, it's, it's right. I think, you know, almost no matter where you're coming from, um, toward toward the you know the, this clinical lab professions, um, I think you'll you would definitely glean something, and I certainly did. Yeah, I think you did as well, probably, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And mm. and I like the size of it; it was a nice size. We're going to be going to a couple of uh, shows in the next couple of months. The AACC, yeah. kind of the capstone one for us. And that's a huge, it's going to be a huge, huge show. This is a really nice, small, more intimate show. And I, I like your point mm-hmm. about uh, the different levels uh, because they did have a, uh, a like clinical mm-hmm. laboratory director kind of track. And they also have much more of a general sort of intro track. And I think that's really kind of a problem. I know I've, for me at least in the past, I've gone to con- many uh, conferences where either it's way over your head and you could look around and you see that there's some people maybe new mm-hmm. to the industry or just kind of starting their career. Mm-hmm. They're a little, little lost, and then and then vice versa. You have the stuff that's yeah. I, you know, I'm not a neither one of us are laboratorians. So <laughs> full disclosure to our audience, we're not laboratorians. Uh, I did grow up in a medical uh, medical household, and I and I have some uh, quite a bit of experience covering the medical uh, topics, but. We're not we're not experts, uh, laboratorians, but the the more basic level uh, topics I th- think we're both uh, accessible for new newbies and, and non professionals like ourselves, and uh, also I think for some experienced people as well. I think there was a lot, as you said, to get out of that. So, um, so you know, I, I know I've I've been thinking a lot about the show and some of the some of the the. Uh, the the talks we went through and, and some of the presentations. Uh, what were some of the uh, specific ideas that speakers that uh, brought up that you've been thinking about since we've since we've been back in the office and uh, our day to day? Yeah, I mean, uh, um, I think some of the things that just kind of stood out to me. Uh, obviously, some of the uh, the more uh, uh, I know that was a some, there was a good keynote, but some of the uh, just the uh, industry professionals speaking in the panels. There was the one with. Uh, I wonder if it's. Hope I'm saying his name right. Reynolds, uh, 
Salerno, Salerno, uh, on his uh, his Salerno, yeah, yeah, his overview Salerno. on, um, yeah, on biosafety yeah. in the clinical lab uh, profession. I think you know that was just, uh, I mean, super insightful. I think um, you know, obviously, what with um, COVID kind of skyrocketing and everything, you think about biosafety in the lab profession and and how significant that is, of course, has been for the last few years. But I think one of the the more interesting things to me during that was just the fact that the advancements in biosafety over the last years have this sort of um, this sort of uh, desire, I guess, to incorporate more, you know, protections in biosafety in the clinical lab. And I know he mentioned uh, kind of sort of a big impetus. Go ahead. Yeah. Making it. and yeah, making yeah, them exactly. a priority. Yeah, yeah, make, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He yeah was, and making them a priority yeah. as well. He, he was, uh, uh, yeah, he mentioned yeah. and there yeah. was a big turning point in yeah. spring 2016. And I was just doing a little more uh, just research. And there's the, the CLIA committee. Uh, you know, they, they got together and said, hey, biosafety of clinical labs, this is an urgent need. So they got the CDC to convene and create a task force. And this was all just sort of around the Ebola outbreak Um and I think that was probably a huge driving factor for it. And this sort of led to, you know, the uh, CDC ultimately uh, creating a steering committee to define and uh, outline multiple biosafety projects in response to the recommendation from CLIA. And um, yeah, I mean, it just seemed to kind of, uh, you know, open the floodgate, floodgates. And obviously that was huge over the last few years, you know, biosafety. Yeah, and and I think the one one of the really interesting points you brought up in light of all of all of that work they started doing, particularly in twenty sixteen, and and how in some of the recent uh, documents that biosafety has been pretty much one of the top priorities, if not the top priority, which is really uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think uh, a, a really good news, and I think one of the things that he talked about. And I was thinking about it. I was really struck by this because it was one of those, right, you're exactly right. There were no major outbreaks in the labs during COVID. Now, laboratorians probably went home. They got they got ill uh, from other family members or, or their own activities that they, they may have done in, in uh, normal activities. But nothing, there were no outbreaks because of poor... Uh, biosafety uh, protocols in the labs, uh, at mm-hmm. least that that we knew, that we know of, and this is someone coming from the CDC. So I think I think they would uh, I think he would have been been aware of it uh, if the, if there had been some widespread outbreak. So I think that really was uh, for me. I think that was a really one of those aha moments. Like, oh, right, exactly. So uh, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. labs were really on it. Uh, and and should be applauded not only for all the great diagnostic work they did and the laboratory uh, developed tests that were, were were created, but also in the fact that they really were exemplars in terms of um, being safe and and not uh, not spreading uh, spreading uh, COVID to the you know within the yeah. la- within the laboratory settings themselves. I think another thing we we talked a lot about this. I think during the show. Uh, and there were a number of uh, uh, presentations about uh, about this. Another thing I liked about the Cola show is that several of the presentations were done a yeah. couple of times. So if you missed it the first time, you could catch it uh, a second time. And we actually did that uh, on the uh, the uh, uh, staffing shortages uh, 
presentation that was done. And uh, I think that really, if, if I had to say there was one recurring theme, uh, at the show, it was uh, it was staffing uh, staffing sh- uh, sh- uh, shortages, and I'm hoping to have uh, an entire show devoted th- to this with uh, the speaker uh, of, uh, during that. So if he's <laughs> listening, I I uh, be be uh, ready. I will be reaching out to you sh- soon. But um, what what do you think about that in terms of the staffing shortages? Uh, in terms of uh, there's a couple of points I. I, I Thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, there was mm-hmm. a panel discussion we also both went to. I thought it was pretty interesting uh, and talking about how uh, money will get someone in the door, but it's really the work culture that'll keep them. And uh, I think that really, I, I think that's a really, I don't think that's unique to laboratory uh, laboratories or the healthcare system. But I think it's something certainly healthcare leaders and, and laboratory leaders should be really focusing on uh, with that. And you you uh, attended a workload uh, presentation, and I think you had some a couple of aha moments. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the the, the one I was referring to was the um, um, I believe it was the. Uh, the establishing workload for cy- uh, cytotechnologists. Um, this was sort of a, a, um, a sort of a. It wasn't directly right. related to staffing shortages, but it just it the fact that it did tie to kind of staffing made it interesting to me. Uh, and I think there's a lot of. I think for me, one of my biggest takeaways from right. Bola was just kind of learning the history. I think there was a lot of there's a lot of cool like history lessons about um, just industry struggles and like uh, overcoming certain hurdles. And that was one of them that was mentioned during the establishing workload for cytologists, cytotechnologists, excuse me, presentation. Um, yeah, it just went into, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It went into, um, yeah. Uh, just, just the impetus for, uh, I mean, it, basically this, the whole, uh, the Congress passed this CLIA uh, 88 Act uh, sort of as like a comprehensive quality standards, creating quality uh, standards for all laboratory testing to ensure uh, you know, accuracy, reliability, and timeliness for patient test results, because I think uh, there was a, a 1987 um, Wall Street Journal article, I think it won the Pulitzer Prize, that detailed how these, um, you know, these lab, uh, there, there was workload issues with the labs, and this has, has essentially resulted in, um, you know, there were deaths. Um, I think specifically this was stemming from, um, from, you know, uh, slides from pap smears, um, and they didn't, they were ineffective, uh, ineffective and they did not detect sort of, um, these, you know, illnesses that would have normally been detected if there were the right protocols for, uh, lab testing and sort of the impetus for that kind of, you know, it ultimately they, they set up stricter rules with the CLE 88 act. Um, and, you know, it just kind of led the way to, um, you know, what we have now. And I think that's a lot of, uh, what I find interesting is just the, you know, the sort of the evolution of all of that and kind of managing, you know, keeping everything in line, you know, having a good structure for um, for clinical labs moving forward. And uh, I mean, there was a ton of other stuff about, you know, like you were talking about the the work shortages, too, was a huge thing. Um, I, it was just interesting to me about um, the recruitment and attention uh, session I intended just because. I think there's so many, it's so interesting to me. There's so many nuances in, right. um, um, in the clinical lab space, as far as hiring goes that I kind of, you know, I think you and I can kind of relate to as far as like their, their, you know, a huge thing was like compensation, like how much are they making right. and, 
and how's the work culture and and even like just putting up job applications on online, like how important that is, how the application for that clinical lab position is. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's really fascinating that, that, you know, that touches all industries and it's no exception here for clinical labs. Right. Right. Well, and, and it's, it's interesting. There's been an, uh, just, uh, on LinkedIn right now on the feeds that I get, uh, there's been this big discussion just about job, uh, listings, mm-hmm. which they talked about quite a bit in that panel and, uh, in the, re- the retention panel and about how some of these listings are just crazy. They just, you know, all things to all people as opposed to really looking at, um, kind of the thing, you know, knowledge you have and the things that we need to train train you on, and and that really, I think that's really interesting. I, I think that's a really uh, something to keep in mind. That what are skills? You know, uh, technologists does you know if a technologist knows how to do a particular test, and you just need to train them on how to use the Thermo Fisher machine or whatever it is that you have, that that's probably a pretty short. Uh, uh, training uh slope uh as opposed to uh you know they have to know every machine machine out there and if they don't well you you've now lost a lost a good candidate so that uh and uh that uh, was uh, pretty interesting and then also trying to talk talking a little bit about uh attracting younger people to go into go into it and i think that's that's one area i think that was a little i i, I i'm hoping that we'll talk about maybe in, in a few weeks with the, the staffing charges uh uh podcast i'm hoping that we'll we'll be able to put together but um uh, and talking about how to attract people because it's one thing to recruit them and retain them but how do you get them to uh to get there to begin with and, and i know one part what one of the issues was there are not enough training programs but i think it's even more fundamental uh, than that, uh, as well. Uh, uh, I think we can do, we, you and I could probably talk yeah. for an hour on, on this one point, but, uh, I think one of the, one of the things you mentioned to me was that some of that legislation that you're talking about with the, uh, workload with, with CLIA was, it was bipartisan. And I think one of the things that was really interesting was, uh, I think probably the highlight, I think for both of us, and I think everybody at the show was the, uh, keynote with uh, Jerome Adams, who's the 20th uh, uh, Surgeon General of the United States uh, uh, during the uh, President Trump's uh, administration. <laughs> and I don't know about you going in. I, <laughs> I was a little nervous, uh, quite honestly. Uh, I didn't know yeah. uh, what kind of, if this was going to be some uh, politi- sort of a weird political thing or what. And I, just from the get-go, he uh, really... Um, I thought it was really interesting how it was uh, he took that out he took politics out of it and really stuck he did two things I thought was really interesting he really uh, looked at it looked at everything in a very scientific way in, in a real scientific way not just kind of I'm doing the science kind of thing and uh, also there was a lot of humanity there was a lot of humanism that uh, in the in the best sense that I think uh, he brought to his comments, etc. Um, and uh, I, I was really impressed. I think one of the things, one, a couple of points they made that I thought was—I'm just looking at my notes here briefly—that uh, I thought was really interesting was the um, that we are a uh, 
a sick reimbursement system, mm -hmm. you know, that our system is very reactive. And I think uh, particularly for, uh, you know, clinical labs, and, and we saw that we also, there was also another um, uh, presentation about molecular diagnostics, which a lot of that is proactive. You know, you're, you're almost getting, uh, getting someone from the, from the time they're born. So uh, talking a little bit about how, our health system is so reactive and, and how it needs to be more proactive and being more proactive will help to solve a lot of societal uh, ills that we're having, uh, many of which are tied to poor, uh, poor health. Um, you know, we, we talked a lot about COVID and um, one mm -hmm. of the you know, co comorbidities, uh, obesity, you know, certainly because of that, we have a lot of diabetes, et cetera, which cause a lot of, a lot of issues uh, with, uh, with COVID and probably ongoing uh, into the future. So I, I thought that was really uh, a really interesting uh, point. And then his, his other point about, about health equity, mm -hmm. you know, it's mm -hmm. not equality, it's equity. So getting people what they need as opposed to we're all, we're all even as opposed yeah. to act. And a lot of that's access. And, you know, there was the Lancet article that came out a few months ago uh, about uh, access. And, you know, so it's great if you have access to treatment. Um, but what about diagnostics? It was that, uh, that, that was, that really kind of tied those two issues together for me, that idea of equity as opposed to equality. So I think, I think that's a, was yeah, a really yeah. interesting yeah, totally. uh, discussion, he, uh, discussion he, he had. So what, what about, what for you, what were some of the aha moments? Well, I, you kind of touched on it a little bit, just the, like, I mean, I guess literally what you're saying about the equity and equality, because he was saying, you know, I think, I mean, I don't want to get into, I don't think we, you know, we could talk about vaccines on a whole other podcast, but the, the fact that like, you know, the major contributor, yeah, the major contributor oh, yeah, I think he exactly. was saying to, you know, COVID deaths was obesity as opposed to, you know, not being vaccinated. And I'm not saying, you know, anything about vaccinations, but I've just found that interesting in, in terms of like, yeah, I mean, it's, right. it's, you know, it's in the, in the like it's thinking about equity and equality. It's just like, you know, they're, you know, more susceptible to these, you know, illnesses. And this is part of a, of, of a bigger problem that's kind of, you know, even outside all of this where it's just, yeah, we need to, you know, um, take care of our system better. And I think there was a little bit, you know, I think they touched on that a little bit that, you know, you know, the medical system's not perfect. And I think it's just kind of, you know, a lot of people are, you know, obviously realizing that more than ever now. And, and right. that's sort of like the big takeaway is just, you know, um, just kind of, you know, now that we're reaching an end endemic phase, yeah. I mean, I guess you could say that in with an asterisk, but, um, that, um, that, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think so. Uh, yeah. I mean, and I just, you know, I, he was a great speaker, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I think that, you know, and, and, mm -hmm. and he talked through operation warp speed, et cetera. And, and one of the other points and just to wrap this up, uh, I think one of the things that um, one of the one of the points that I I made uh, that he made was um, talking about um, don't don't uh, try to come from a moral you know you're trying to impose some sort of a moral uh, judgment on someone and then say it's science and I think that was really interesting. He actually talked briefly and, and again we you know this is a little beyond the scope of. CLP, but he talked a little bit about uh, while we were in uh, Charlotte, uh, the Roe v. Wade uh, 
leak came out uh, around that time, and uh, he actually talked a little bit about that and talked about it in a very. He brought up one of the uh, one of the unintended consequences if you just approach this purely from a moral uh, black and white sort of uh, approach, as opposed to a very scientific. Uh, scientific nuanced sort of sort of way, and I think that that was something I also I think he didn't quite say it like this, but I think that when you look at the science, it it makes it more nuanced. I think he also I think it was really interesting how he's been horrifically, brutally, brutally um, uh, attacked uh, both left and right uh, for some of the things he said, uh, fairly or unfairly, uh, and but he's always tries to reach right. out. Uh, to particularly those who are, you know, I think who have some of the loudest voices and have that kind of reach that that really could poison the well, and reaches out to them, and you know, I think that he makes a personal connection with them, and I think in a in a in a, a, a good in a good way, and I and I think it's, I think he's also reaching out to people who are open to reason too. I think that's really to me seemed to be what he was doing. I think another thing that really was that really also hit home uh, in terms of equity uh that is access is that his own and talked about this at some some Mm -hmm. length his wife uh has um a recurrence of melanoma and some of that may be a question of of you know they missed a window in terms of getting uh, a, a checkup for another diagnostic test and uh uh was you know did they did they miss the window or, or did that mm-hmm. recurrence happen at that six month uh, six month uh, window uh, where they missed it? But I thought that was really interesting too because um, you know here's they were he was affected they were affected in a very direct way uh, he and his family uh, by missing a diagnostic test and we've you know we post I I've lost count of the number of articles that I posted and, and probably you posted uh, mm-hmm. about people missing, you know, key tests during the pandemic. And uh, I think that's another uh, issue uh, that we, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, again, we could talk for hours and hours about, uh, about, about that. But I think again, it goes back with that equity access uh, question uh, and, and way back to the, uh, that Lancet, that really fascinating Lancet uh study that was done a few months ago. So um, as we're wrapping up, uh, you know, I always find it really interesting when you go and there's always these big, you know, profound moments. Um, was there anything, you know, was there anything that was just, just surprising or interesting that you learned uh, during the forum? And it, you know, it could be something mm-hmm. Uh, sublime or it could be something uh, a little uh, not so <laughs> no, I sublime mean, I, I guess, guess. Um, I think um, I think one of my my more my one of the more uh, interesting things are just like just something I saw just by you know, just kind of looking around at the attendees is just like the diversity just how you know how many people from different backgrounds and cultures were there and I, I just kind of appreciated yeah. that because Kind of going back to actually what he was Absolutely. saying, um, you know, going back to the, the Surgeon General Adams, uh, he was saying, you know, that, that you know, as much as it, contentious as it was as being have, having him be on that uh, that you know that uh, medical team, the health team for during the Trump administration, how polarizing that was probably for him. Um, just the fact that he was there to kind of represent some diversity in that that group of people, where he was just showing, you know, if I wasn't there, it would just be all these white people essentially. <laughs> 
um, and just kind of, and he had that good anecdote where right, he said um, right. um, that um, uh, if you're not um, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu, uh, and that was uh, you know just uh, yeah, and that yeah yeah, right. yeah 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 I think that resonated and, with um, a lot of people yeah and um, yeah that was just you know it was just uh, good to just kind of see that diversity. Yeah, for me, uh, I'm going to go a little uh, a little less profound. Uh, for me, it was um, Tariq uh, Adwan uh, who gave uh, that uh, discussion about the uh, uh, molecular diagnostics. He was running through just some interesting stats, and um, we are. And I found out that we are 99.9 percent. Uh, similar uh, genetically <laughs> yeah, to a banana, so I thought that was uh, I thought that was pretty pretty interesting, and then and then uh, that was a little silly, but I think I thought it was uh, what was also interesting because the study just came out uh, that our health is only determined thirty percent of our health is only determined by uh, genetics, sixty percent is by environment, so the way we live and you know whether our environment is is clean and, or, or, or uh, conducive to living and then 10% to uh, right. our healthcare. So that goes back right. to our equity, our equity uh, discussion. And uh, certainly uh, uh, I think the uh, one of the, I think the biggest takeaway is just how important uh, diagnostic testing is. And particularly for those, you know, for you and People are like us who are, who are just witnesses to what uh, diagnostic testing uh, benefits are and getting the word out to uh, both um, the larger, you know, helping the, the, the uh, profession um, do its best and keep doing its best, but also in our personal lives, uh, spreading the word and, and how important uh, it is to uh, to our lives and how critical in particular in these last couple of years, how critical diagnostic testing was and really how critical it is, uh, uh, has been for a long, long time. And, uh, it's not just we're sending it to the lab and some magical thing happens. They're really dedicated and, uh, people, uh, who are, uh, who are uh, doing this really uh, important work. So uh, kudos to all of them. Kudos to Cola for a great first show. And uh, we'll, we'll be there next year. And I hope uh, some listeners who weren't able to make it uh, this year will be able to uh, attend next year. And we're certainly going to be, we'll be doing more of these industry trends and in some of the shows we go to uh, throughout the year. And um, so uh, Andy, uh, be prepared to be on uh, future shows. Uh, we're looking forward to that. And uh, I just can't believe it, but we've reached the end of our time. I think we covered a, quite a bit, but uh, and given everybody a good uh, food for thought. So I'm going to have to do this again uh, very, very soon. We have another couple more conferences coming up in June. So uh, I think that will be, uh, be another opportunity to get together. So uh, thanks, uh, Andy, for taking the time uh, away from your uh, daily uh, yeah, editorial work to join me. Uh, I also want to thank all of you for listening. So uh, look for more episodes of Clinical Lab Chat in the future and visit us online at clpmag.com and on all of the major social media platforms. So until next time.